put on the uniform and found myself. I served my country and fell in love with me. Travel the world being all I could be. God showed me here is where I'd be. Always on time. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here. I'm Bridgette McCoy. I'm your host here at Women Veterans Social Justice Network's podcast on Heroes Media Group. Today, we have Lynette Vestal. He is a Navy veteran, and he's going to be talking with us a little bit about his experience in the military, but about his wonderful programs and services that he offers to women veterans through uh, Sierra Club. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lynette. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Bridget. Hope you can uh, hear me fine. So, I want to get right into it because I know with everything that you're involved in, you're so busy, and it's just such an opportunity to get you to to join us today. And I wanted to really just get into your military service. Like, why did you join uh, the military? And tell us a little bit about what you did in the military as well. I was um, born and raised in Chicago, and uh, I, I guess growing up on the South Side, my family, uh, while well, I was in Fall Secure, my adopted family when I got I was fortunate enough to get adopted. But um, they didn't have, you know, money for college. And I had a brother who was two years older than me. And I saw him struggling trying to, you know, go to school and uh, work. And we just, I didn't, you know, kind of want to put my family through that stress. You know, I was an Army RTC, so I got a glimpse of what the Army life was like. So I didn't want to do that. And then the Marine Corps uh, recruiter came to me and said, be a real man and join the Marines. But at the hanging out at Army RCC for four years as a high school student. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. And then the Navy came and uh, said, hey, you can see the world and travel all these exotic places. And my father was against it, but my mom set me down and was like, look, you know, you see what's going on with your brother, Jamie. Um, I can't afford to see you to college. And one of the things I knew that the neighborhood I grew up with in either you're working a nine to five, barely trying to pay bills, Oh, you're, you know, get involved with the street life because, you know, it's South Fast College about survival. So the military is kind of an opportunity to get, get away from all of that. And also, I didn't want to be one of those people who said the best. I don't want to be a 45 year old man saying the best four years of my life is high school. So, uh, with all those things combined, <laughs> and, uh, it was a, it was an easy choice for be a 17 year old kid to be like, I'm going to the Navy. So, so yeah, you know, that it seemed like a good idea until the first night of boot camp. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I never forget. Um, we finally got to our racks. Racks are, you know, beds in the Navy. And, you know, we only had like an hour of sleep. It was like four in the morning. We only had an hour of sleep after getting processed, and that's a traumatic experience. Um, and I just remember uh, Petty Officer Green, first time I seen him. And, you know, the Marines and Army called them drill sergeants, but Navy called them recruit drill commanders. And at that time, he was the biggest guy I ever seen. Uh, just yelling, get up, get up, get up. And I was like, what the hell? And the guy next to me did the thing, and I thought you were standing at attention and locking knees. But I didn't know that at the time, so I just saw a guy pass out, hit the metal um, book bookcase or um, shelves that we had for our our gear, and he rolled over, and the drill sergeant's yelling at him, get up, get up, get up. And he rolled over, and blood's gushing from his face, and I'm just like, and all the other drill sergeants come over, and I'm just thinking like, all right, this was a snake. I just make a run for that door. I'm 17. I'm pretty fast. They won't be able to catch me. 
<laughs> so that was the only moment, like a moment of regret where I'm like, I don't think I did make the right decision. Uh, however, um, I ended up going, being stationed on the USS Cleveland, which is a land and transport dock. And it's a ship that, um, what we call a gator freighter because we haul around our missions. The ship, the mission of our ship is to haul around Marines and their gear to get them to the battlefront. So we were an amphibious assault group and I was based in San Diego, California. And my rate, which my job in the Navy was ship servicemen. And, um, in my four years, I made it to East Fourth. So I was a ship serviceman, third class aboard the USS Cleveland. I worked in the ship. I worked in basic supply. So commercial supply. So ship store, um, vending machines. I, I cut hair. I operate, I managed the barbershop. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of like a rate of like the jack of all trades. Everybody's now some things make sense about you now. Uh, <laughs> some of the things that you've done in the past, I'm just laughing listening to that because now, uh, now I can kind of see how you, um, as our listeners will find out, um, how you put some other things together so well because you have that experience. So go ahead, go ahead, finish telling us. Sorry. Yeah, well, this, I mean, the thing about San Diego is just a kind of a world apart from Chicago, you know, coming from the cold, brutal Midwestern winters. Uh, Chicago's a pretty segregated city, um, really segregated. Um, and San Diego was, you know, very, it wasn't as segregated as Chicago and it was very diverse. You had the military there, you had Navy bases, you had Marine Corps bases. You had just the fact that it was a port city, so it was very international, people mm-hmm. from all over. So it was a kind of a culture shock for me. And But, you know, I guess it would be stationed in probably the, the nicest city as far as weather goes in, in the United States. So um, you were in San Diego. You were in the Navy. You were um, traveling to all these wonderful places because, of course, being on a ship you're on all these different ports so uh tell me a little bit about some of the ports that you went some of the places that you went during your service because that's the most interesting thing to me about the navy is you all for real for real travel it's not like you get to one duty station and you're there for like three five years it's like a couple months you're here a couple months you're here so yeah, yeah. The, the joke is that, you know, you're, you know, the Navy, the recruiter says join the Navy and see the world. And then you see the world from a uh, porthole. Uh, <laughs> so I got a little bit of that because I, I did see the Philippines uh, from the side of the ship. I did see India from the side of the ship. Okay. And uh, we did sail through the Seawest Canal, which is uh, during um, Operation Iraqi Freedom oh. when we when I got deployed. Uh, we dropped off the, uh, well, kind of second wave of Marines. Cause there were already Marines on the ground before Bush gave the official order and CNN reported it. Cause we picked up a whole bunch of Marines also in the, in the desert. So, uh, uh, I got to see those countries in the fourth time, but I actually did really get to see, um, several different countries while, while I was deployed. And uh, from that kind of developed my sense of, uh, travel. So I've traveled post military quite a lot to different countries. So we got to, uh, during deployment, we, we went to split Croatia. We were a West Coast ship, so that's kind of weird. Um, but we, we got a chance to sail through the Sea West Canal and we ended up in the Mediterranean. So we did part of a Med Cruise and a Westpac. So we saw, uh, Sigonella, Sicily. It was a Navy base there. We also got a chance to, uh, sail to 
Australia. So we went to Cairns, Australia, which looks like Carnes. Um, mm-hmm. You see it, the spelling. And also the beautiful Sydney, Australia, which very much reminded me of uh, Chicago. And really? what's really cool, yeah, it, 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 it reminded me like the downtown. Cause, like Chicago has these massive skyscrapers and like a true downtown. It's not like New York where there's buildings everywhere and people everywhere, but the whole city of Chicago emanates from downtown. And I felt that way in Sydney. I mean, I was there as a 19-year-old kid. So, um, you know, it might be different if I go back now. But um, that's what I remember. And, and then we also got a chance to go to uh, Puerto Vallarta for a port call, uh, Mexico. That was pretty nice. Um, and, and, and got to see the life of sailors. They like, they like to drink and get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of trouble happened in that port. Uh, things are, are probably not appropriate for the podcast, but uh, right. sailors. <laughs> and uh, also, we got to—I uh, I got to go to uh, Alaska. I know it's part of the United States, but it's you know not the lower forty-eight, so it's kind of far removed yeah. from. Anyway, well, we did some. We actually did. Um, this was post-deployment, and we were doing some workups with the United States Army. Um, their pilots to land helos, helicopters huh. on flight decks in the ocean. So wow. you know, this was a new, it was a new training operation that we were doing joint joint military operation. So Navy and, and Army, you would be a Marine Corps pilots, our Navy pilots, and you know fighter jets. And fun fact, the Navy has more fighter jets and pilots than the Air Force. Really? Yes. Oh, right. Now the Air Force won't tell you that, but it's right. Just, that is amazing. Uh, yeah, those, those, some, those some of the places I got, uh, and also uh, got deployed during Operation Iraqi Freedom. And we, and we, well, we went, our ship went to Kuwait, um, but I saw Kuwait on the port side. Wow. So when you, I mean, after all those experiences, uh, you know, how difficult was it for you to decide that, you know, I've done my, my, you know, I've done my enlistment. I'm, I think it's time for me to leave and, and maybe go back to school or maybe get a job. I mean, how difficult was that to make a decision to um, exit the military? Well, um, Bridget, I, I think my decision, when I joined the Navy in you know, 2001 um, and I served in 2005, um, when I first joined, I kind of figured it might be a career. And I, I told myself, I, I read an old paper of mine that I wrote when I was 16, and I said, when I'm old, like 30, I'll be married and be a Navy officer. <laughs> I was pretty upset reading that as a 30-year-old man because uh, I'm like, I'm not old. I'm, I'm, I'm just 30. Right. <laughs> and, but, I, but ironically, I did get married a few years later. So my future yeah. self predicted the future, um, even though I didn't, I didn't want to believe it at the time. Um, I, I think what changed my mind about the military, um, the Navy to be exact, is there is a strict separation between enlisted and officers. Mm-hmm. And that I didn't notice with the Marines. It exists, you know, you respect the rank and things of that nature. But um, the officers, you know, kind of live a very different life from the enlisted in the Navy. Um, and my favorite officers are prior enlisted, um, just because they understood the the grind that the enlisted crew um, does. Right. You know, and, you know, I got a chance to, you know, every junior sailor has to do what we call mess cranking. And that means you're working in the um, the mess halls, the mess decks, what we call them in, in, in the Navy on the ships. Mm-hmm. So I was a supply. All the cooks were my buddies. You know, I knew all the crew because I worked in supply in the ship store, so if people needed things, they, you know, went to us. 
So I was like, I'm going to have three months to hang out with my buddies and not you know, do my regular work. That's going to be awesome. The downside in the military, as you probably all know, Bridget, when you're, kind of, when you're squared away, <laughs> yeah. you get more responsibilities. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and that wasn't like I was squared away because I was like, I was like, I'm going to be Joe Navy. I was squared away because, you know, my work has always been important to me. And, you know, my grandmother and mom and dad instilled a strong work ethic. So, you know, it's a reflection of myself. So I always try to be the best, even if I make mistakes. So they, the, 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 the commanding, uh, the, the supply officer, division officer came to me and was like, Petty Officer Vesta, you're going to be uh, up in the award room with the officers. And I was like, oh, crap. So uh, I got to mess <laughs> in, in the officer's award room. And, you know, it's a funny story is one of the uh, captains, uh, not, yeah, no, not the captains, one of the lieutenants uh, came to me and was like, Petty Officer Vesta, there's a cake in the chief mess that they have, tiramisu. We don't have that, so I want you to go down there and get it. And, uh, you know, it's an officer, you know, he's a lieutenant in the Navy, 03, so I'm not going to be like, no, I'm going to go to the E-7's mess and get a, get a, get a cake. So, you know, I'm like, yes, sir. Go down. I went down, you know, to the, to the chief mess, you know, the senior chief, master chief, all the E-7's, they know me from the ship store, things like that. You know, they, they respect me. But, you know, they, they start giving me, uh, giving me crap. So, you know, giving me a hard time. I tell you all the best, so what are you doing here? You don't, you don't, you're not in here. You're not, you're not one of our mess cranks. Um, little chief, and I, the officer told me, Lieutenant so-and-so told me to come get this cake. And they were like, and I quote, you tell his ass to come down here and get his own damn cake. And I was like, well, you know, chief, I can't say that to an officer. He's, he's, a, he's a senior, you know, senior crew member. I, I can't tell him to do that. Oh, you know what? You tell him I told you to say that. Well, like, chief, you, you, you want me to get in trouble, don't you, chief? So, you know, it's just kind of, I mean, you get ribbed and stuff like that. But uh, I guess kind of what really changed my mind is I thought I wanted to be officer. Uh, and I had a division officer named Mr. Side, who I'm still in touch with. Okay. And he wanted me to join this program called State 21, where you transition from enlisted to officer and you in the Navy pays for your college. And then once you wow. get your college degree, you're guaranteed five years at least as an officer. Um, but one of the things that changed my mind was uh, the junior officers had to all ask the executive officer, the XO, permission to join join them to eat in the war room. And if the XO was mad at you or you didn't have an assignment to his liking, <laughs> you could say no. And I witnessed it with my own eyes. And, you know, I, I know in the military, you know, it's protocol and things of that nature. But I was just like, look, I'm an adult. As you know, you got to deal with a lot of stuff. The military is about strict chain of command. It's not a democracy. But right. I'm going to eat chow. I don't want to ask another adult permission to eat. <laughs> just, right. Kids don't even ask their parents permission to eat. Our dogs don't. Like, we feed our pets, you know, during, right. you know, when it's time to feed them. But it's not like, hey, you know, they'll probably beg you and stuff like that. But it's not like, permission to eat. No, you're not going to eat because I'm mad at you. So, uh, and I was like, oh, well, yeah. And then I didn't like the separation because when you went up to the, uh, Officer decks, they had a little symbol on the main keyway um, uh, going up the uh, hatch, and it said, Welcome to God's country. <laughs> oh, wow. So I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm like, what? You guys are, and, 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 you know, I met some very intelligent, well-spoken, squared-away officers who were prior enlisted and came from the Naval Academy. But I also met a bunch of idiots who were officers. And it really gave me the confidence to realize that maybe college isn't as hard as I think coming from a working class background with not many uh-huh. family members who got advanced degrees or even four-year degrees. But I'm like, if these idiots can get a college degree, college is not as hard as it may seem. So I would tell your listeners, if you 
Do you think college is going to be difficult? You can do it. Uh, some of the Navy officers are not the brightest bulbs on the Christmas, Christmas tree. Uh, <laughs> and they did it, so you can do it. And, and that's not taking anything from the Navy officer corps, because you got some pretty sharp, square away, smart. I tell people all the time, some of the smartest people I met were serving and sailors and Marines. But also, you know, it's like everywhere else. You got some people who don't seem like they're, they're that, that smart. They got it too soon. They don't. They're not as squared away as we think they are. There's, there's a mix. And I tell people that I, I, I that you know, uh, the military is a microcosm of the United States. And so it's not like just because people join the military, there's all these really, everybody's smart, everybody's bright, everyone is squared away, and everyone is a hardworking, ethical person. It's just like the American population. It's a, it's a small percentage of the American population that you know, goes in the military, but once they're in, it, it, it's representative. So there are people who are racist and sexist. You know, there yeah. are people who uh, are shammers, trying to get over, don't want to really do anything. You know, there are people who are very squared away, are, you know, high achievers, advocates, working, you know, for the betterment of the service. So there's everyone. And so I think that that's, I really appreciate you bringing that to our listeners because, uh, you know, sometimes, um, you know, people get, you know, the starry-eyed idea about military service and heroes and, oh, uh, you know, that thing. And some people aren't heroes that serve. Uh, some people are <laughs> no. predators in the military. There are <laughs> sexual predators that serve. I mean, there's just like this whole, you know, uh, varied group of people that come together um, for one cause, uh, which is uh, in, in military service. And then you find sometimes people didn't go in the military for to, to serve, you know, the country, they went for some other reason. I used well, to yeah, that I, I went in the military for the GI Bill. I didn't come in here to kill. <laughs> that was my <laughs> my tagline, and uh, um, jokingly, well, but you know, but that was a draw for me, the GI Bill. And so, did you use the GI Bill for your college? Because I, I noticed you you had uh, two, you know, a BA and a master's um, from uh, from different universities in. Uh, Illinois. So was that how you uh, paid for college or did you get some type of uh, programming because of your military service other than the GI Bill? You're listening to WVSJ, the Women Veteran Social Justice Network. Well, that's a good question, um, Bridget. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, first off, it's the, the whole veteran mystique idea that you know, we're all selfless heroes. And, you know, I share the same reason why I joined the military was because I, my parents family couldn't afford college and this is opportunity now the downside is it's kind of like a, a backdoor draft or what we call a poverty draft yeah so most of the enlisted ranks are are made up of people who come from you know the working class low-income rural city small town you know mm-hmm. rust belt communities and it's just yep. kind of a way out but um the state of illinois had the illinois veterans grant and i, oh. I did get my gi bill so uh, I started school at Northern Illinois University in 2005, right after I got out, and I used the GI Bill and Illinois Ventures Grant, and that they were coincide together. So every school, every state university in the state of Illinois, at the time I graduated, and got out in 2005, any vet, um, as long as they had, you know, 2.5 GPA and, you know, a C average and above and, you know, passed all the classes and it was a good academic standing could get the Illinois Veterans Grant. So tuition was covered, and the GI Bill was a supplement income. I didn't get the sweet 
9-11, post-9-11 deal, right. despite being the post-9-11 there, because I joined in June 2001, we all know the day that we'll live in infamy, infamy besides December 7, 1941, is December 11, 2001. So some of those years with the one at the end in America that kind of seemed to change everything. But um, that's how I was able to pay for my undergrad. Now, I decided to be very smart and snooty and, um, and listen to professors and family members and decided to get a master's in social work from um, the University of Chicago, which is a very expensive private yeah. institution in in the city of Chicago. And wow. But, you know, it's a well-respected school, so my professor was like, you better go. You got to accept it. And, right. you know, I didn't have anybody before me to, who got an advanced degree, so I didn't know I could ask them for more money. Or a lot of money, or to cover everything. So I ended up with student loan debt, just like most millennials like myself. So it's it it seems that you know the trajectory you know of your life. You just you like made a decision. You know you had people you know kind of in your ear saying this is a good decision, this is the way to go, or you know we don't necessarily know if that's a good decision, but it's on it's on you. You make the decision. And then you you just you you made it and you went through the process and and did all of the work and then when you were done with something you were like I'm done <laughs> I'm gonna move on to the <laughs> next day and you know I know for some of our listeners um, it's 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 hard for military personnel when you're leaving to make the transition to make the decision to to take the uniform off completely because sometimes people take it off, but they still have behaviors and do things that are, you know, more tied to their military experience. Kind of like what you said about you don't want to be 40, and the only thing that you did, you know, do was talk about your your, your high school. And sometimes that happens with our vets with uh, regard to having a career, you know, having a job or having different things go on in their life. They're just, they're just hyper-focused on their military service. And so I think yeah. it's interesting that, if we can segue to your philanthropy and your and your current role that you you're in, that you're working with veteran and 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 in a, in multiple capacities, but mostly in the outdoors. And for mo- most of our listeners who know me, they know I love the outdoors. I, I love Sierra Club. I, you know, any anything that y'all do, I'm like excited about it and want to you know at least at, at minimum support it by sharing it to other people so they can get involved. And so can you tell us, you know, a little bit about your role there and a little, you know, um, and, and some of the um, things that you're doing? Because you all have a very well-put-together program for for veteran and military families. The thing I love about it is that you are so welcoming and so honoring to women veterans. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> man, thanks for that segue. You make me want to sound like I want to meet this person you're talking about. Um <laughs> Yeah, the Sierra Club is the oldest and largest environmental organization in the country. It was founded by John Muir in 1892. John Muir was an interesting fellow. He promoted conservation and preserving wild spaces, but it also um, was part of the problem of, uh, and, and also helped uh, Theodore Roosevelt create the uh, first national park. Problematic side is, you know, those, those pristine lands are also occupied by indigenous nations, indigenous people. So, with his advocacy, he forced the removal of native peoples from their lands and, you know, was leading the charge. So the Sierra Club kind of has, our, is dealing with that history right now. Uh, but one of the things we're doing is, you know, we're, we're placing that history 
And the Sierra Club originally started as a mountaineering group, and then hence the Sierra Club after the Sierra Mountains in California. And we still have that component. Now, a lot of days, people think of the Sierra Club to think of our conservation work and our political activism, which is a big part of the Sierra Club. But we still have that focus on the outdoors. So we have three different programs. The local outdoors or local outings where anybody uh, can become an outings leader and lead outings within their community, whether it's, you know, day hikes or just getting together in the park or going on fishing at the local watering hole. We have our Inspiring Connection Outdoors, which is for the youth. Um, and leaders take out young people, uh, 18 and under, to the different wild spaces or local outdoor places. And finally, we have what the program I work with, which is the Sierra Club Military Outdoors Program. And this program is, uh, what I like about it so much is, you know, one of the things is Sierra Club is about equity and inclusion, yes. justice. And, you know, my goal since joining the Sierra Club is twofold. You know, I want to make sure that everybody feels welcome, everybody has access to the outdoors. And there, there are barriers, and we are, you know, still working to ensure that all veterans, uh, no matter ability, age, uh, gender, race, sexuality, are not only welcome, and we, we, we teach that in our leadership training, yes. but um, it's encouraged. And one of the things that we do is what I like the most about it is it's a leadership training program. So every veteran, every military service member, um, whether they believe it or not, um, has had leadership training. You've been put in charge <laughs> of people from your junior enlisted days to even if you got out and you were a general. So I think sometimes folks, like you say, get out the military and they're like, I was the big, you know, I was the big person on the base. I was, you know, the, the XO, the CO. I was the command sergeant major. I was the master chief, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I had people working under me, respecting you get in the civilian world and the civilians don't care about the ranks and the labels. But what our program does is like, you know, we don't look at that. We don't look, we, all vets are welcome. You can be Vietnam era, World War II era. You can be post 9-11. You can be combat veteran. You could have been a sailor who never sailed a day in your life. Um, but we're, you're all welcome. And we do outing leader training where we teach our veterans to be outdoor leaders. And what I like the most about it is, it's veterans taking other veterans outdoors. Yeah. So we are giving them, the, we are empowering our vets. So we're not like trying to do a photo op. Look at us. We took these vets, poor veterans hiking. Let's roll them out. And like, everybody feel sorry for us and give our company money and we won't do anything with the vet. No, that's, that's not what we do. And also what I really, really like is we, you know, we don't force our vets who join the military, club military outdoors. We do our outings to be part of our political action, our, uh, canvassing, right. our political campaigns. It's, it's up to them. It's their choice. And that's right. one of the reasons that I'm still with the Sierra Club. And I work as their campaign representative here in the southeast of the military outdoors. So um, if you if vets want to get outdoors and connect with other vets, you know, you can go through us. We work with a majority. We work with a tons of organizations like yours, Bridget, um, Team Red, White, and Blue, the Michigan Teen Youth, Minority Veterans for America, uh, America Warrior Alliance, uh, America's Warrior Partnership, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, Hope for the Warriors. There's a whole long list. I, I can go on and on. But um, these are the different organizations we work with. Also, like local non-veteran organizations um, like Park Pride and the Sierra Club Georgia chapter. Um, yeah. So we, we, we do all types of events, and we work with different partnerships and anybody can be a volunteer. And you don't have to lead outdoor excursions if you want to. It can be anything. We always looking for volunteers. But if you want to take people outdoors, 
don't think you have to go to like you know the Grand Canyon and wrap there or go hiking in the Himalayas or anything like that. You can you can go to Stone Mountain. You can go to Kennesaw Mountain. You can go to you know uh, Piedmont Park and lead yeah. a group every Saturday and do some yoga outdoors. So it doesn't matter. And the good thing is we're in the southeast. So besides the rain, the weather's pretty nice. Unlike yeah. Chicago. <laughs> where you got I nine months it. of winter. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And that's why I love the Sierra Club. I think the first experience that I had <clears throat> with the Sierra Club, and you might not know this, um, uh, because I don't know that Stacey ever told you that, Stacey Bear, and I met um, probably five or six years ago. It might have been eight or nine by now. Um, and at the time, I was very asthmatic. I was um, nearly 300 pounds. And I chose to come to a event that the Sierra Club was having. And, but I didn't see myself as an outdoors person. I only went outside to take pictures of trees. That was my thing at that time, trees and clouds. And Stacy said to me very clearly, you know, if you just walk outside your, your house and you, you know, take a walk in the, you know, in nature, you're part of this community. And it was like a light bulb went off for me. And now I can fast forward and say, you know, me walking trails and doing all kinds of other stuff. And even going to Alaska, um, I spent a week in Alaska rafting, um, <clears throat> in the Arctic, uh, I think it was 2015. And that was because of, uh, uh, Sierra Club and Stacey Bear saying, you know, hey, would you want to go on this <laughs> on this uh, expedition? And I was like, yeah, I guess I would after you've asked me for three years and I didn't answer you. So, yeah, maybe this year is the right one. So, I mean, I, if anything I could say to our listeners, what Lynette is saying is very true. Sierra Club is very welcoming, very open, and they want men and women of all backgrounds, of all service times to come and participate. And so a lot of my listeners will say, oh, um, well, we meet up and we go to a restaurant or we meet up and we do these things. And I've, I've told people, I, if it's not outdoors, <laughs> I don't want to be stuck in a building. So if it's not outdoors doing something active, more times than not, you're sitting down and you're complaining. So I want to get people outdoors as much as possible. So tell us, um, give us the website, give us this uh, social media um, handle so people can follow so, um, follow you. Yeah, so um, you can... Find us at the Sierra Club Military Outdoors. You can go to our website. Um, all you do is type in sierraclub.org, Military Outdoors. Um, we are on Instagram. You can follow Sierra Club on Twitter. And on Instagram, you can just uh, do at Military Outdoors, and you'll find us and see uh, some of the things that we've we've done and been tagged in. And we're doing a whole new relaunch campaign. So we just updated our website. So um, oh. we're doing some updates, so you can check that out. Um, here locally, we got a couple of events coming up. We have a um, day hike at uh, Sweetwater Creek Trail on Saturday, August 17th at 8 a.m. Okay. So we're going to try to beat the heat that day. And then also on September, Saturday, September 14th, we're going to do a veterans outdoor hike and paddle. Uh, what's cool about this day is that we're partnering with REI at the Stone Mountain Boathouse in uh, Stone Mountain. And yeah. we're going to do a day hike, and we're going to do an afternoon paddle when it gets a little hot so we'd be on the water. And also what's really cool is we're going to invite several veteran organizations to talk about career and volunteer opportunities. So, Bridget, you're welcome to come that day. Yay! Um, we're, going to have to, we're going to have that information out very soon. You can go to the Sierra Club Georgia chapter website. And also, um, 
And also REI will be talking about career opportunities for veterans at REI, and REI is the outdoor outfitter. And one last thing is one of the most important things about just getting vets outdoors is right now we're working at the federal level, Sierra Club, military outdoors, to um, advocate for the Accelerating Veterans Recovery Outdoors Act. And what that is is that if it gets the thumbs up, Congress will create a task force to look at the benefits of the healing benefits of nature, getting folks outdoors. I don't promote it like that, despite being a social worker, having that background, because I'm a vet. I know fellow vets myself. All the Army Marines are like going outdoors. It's like being in the field. Like no one's going to be shooting at you. We're going to have a good time. We're going to be hanging out. It's nothing like that. But you can't be like, we're going to heal through nature and be all kumbaya. And you know, you can't tell that to vets. Uh, guy vets, women vets, no matter who they are, they're like, no, we're tough. We're military. I'm a Marine. So, but they get outdoors and they just have eye moments and, you know, just connecting with, with, with each other. And it's not always perfect, but in our training, we kind of go over different scenarios, different places there's conflict and how people can have conflict resolution. And that's kind of, we empower our leaders to like take charge of the trip and, you know, lead the way they see fit. So they, they're kind of like, we're going to do it and get on the go or they're kind of more liaison. They're like, let's do whatever. Or they're democratic. What do you guys want to do today? It's kind of the outings are designed by our our vets. So the hike that's coming up on the 17th of August, a vet reached out to me. She's an outing leader. And she's like, hey, I want to do a hike. And I was like, all right, where do you want to go? And she gave me the write-up, and that's, that's where we're meeting at. She was like, right, it needs to be early because it's August. It's Georgia. It's hot. And I was like, yes, it right. is. So before oh, it gets too hot, we'll be off the <laughs> I didn't yeah, even know yeah, it was well, that simple. I, I, you you got to know that I am on some some trail, some place, uh, and and my boss just said you got to stop going out there by yourself. So, so now this is my answer. I can go to him uh, Monday and say I found the answer. I won't be going out by myself, but let's figure a way to get some of our students because <laughs> we have vets on our you know on Georgia State uh, University. We have a lot of veterans. So, you know, that would be a great opportunity to maybe reach out to some of the campuses and get um, get them aligned to participate um, at that level. Uh, but definitely the Women Veterans Social Justice Network wants to sign off on any, uh, you know, in agreement with any legislation that's about getting outdoors. I think I've testified maybe three or four different times congressionally that the reason that I'm doing as well as I am doing at any one time in in time is because I am involved in outdoor activities and alternative therapies for, you know, medicinal purposes. So um, I am on record <laughs> congressionally saying that whether that's what people promote or not, that's not usually what people know about me, but um, it is, there is, there are multiple records for that. So I'm on board and I always have been on board. And my hope is that um, our listening audience will get on board and, really get connected with Sierra Club, really get connected with Lynette and offer offer themselves as some, you know, some in some of the leadership roles or maybe support, leadership support. But we re- it's really time to get out there um, and really get involved in things that are going to make us healthier over the long haul because things are changing at the VA, things are changing in government, and so there's a lot of things that, you know, we don't know if it's going to be available or accessible um, if we don't get involved. So if I can get our listeners to get active, then that's what I want to want to do. Do you have any, like, last, you know, takeaways, things that you want to, you know, that you didn't get to say that you want to, you know, tell our listening audience? Um, I, I think the one thing I would just say is that, you know, 
Um, one of the most important things about getting outdoors is obviously it's not for everybody, but one of the things that I hope to do with this work and why I'm doing something like the REI Hike and Paddle and bringing in other veteran service organizations and companies like REI is, you know, get, getting the vets to heal through nature is fantastic. Mental health, physical health, um, that's taken care of. But, you know, we got to think about the world we live in today. People have families. People, you know, are in between jobs. People have experienced some traumatic things, whether it's during the military service, the post-military service. And my goal at the Sierra Club is to be able to connect that vet to all these other resources because we are not the only answer, but we are part of the answer. So it's about building a coalition and collaboration. So I appreciate that. So you'll be getting uh, the link to sign, sign a board with the uh, uh, Accelerating Veterans uh, Outdoors Recovery Act and also getting an invite for you to come out and speak or a representative uh, to come speak at the Hike and Paddle to let, you know, let some of the vets know that this resource is available to them. Because Oh, yeah. So when I got out in 2005, all I knew was the VA and, and Wounded Warrior Project. That was it. And now so many awesome vets doing great things, and we're taking care of each other and trying not yeah. to repeat the mistakes of the Vietnam generation. So I, I think that's the coolest thing. And, you know, there's just a bump in the road. So that's all. It's just veterans helping veterans. Yeah. And our civilian counterparts um, supporting that. Oh, yeah. We have so many civilian counterparts that are just amazing. They're just like, here, what can we do? What, what, how can we help you? How can we help you be successful? And that, and I think all of the, you know, bridging those gaps between the civilian and military communities and then connecting all of our uh, military personnel to the services through educational institutions because there's all these resources and services there. It's like we, we, it's not just two things, you know, it's not, there's multiple uh, resources out here, but I think the hard part is, um, you know, like you said, appropriateness. For some people, it's not appropriate right now, but that doesn't mean that it won't be. And so it's like let's, you know, just keep making sure that these services and resources are available and accessible so that when people are ready to interface with them, it's there and they can use it. And so I definitely appreciate you for all the work that you do, all the things that you do in the community, and for being such a kind brother. Y'all got, y'all just got to know, he has been so kind to me over the years. I was very excited to, when you got the role um, with the Air Club, <clears throat> and so uh, I'm just happy that I can be here of support through this podcast and through, you know, on social media, and definitely will commit to uh, participating with the uh, the two events next month. So I'm definitely excited about that. So I'm going to sign off. To, uh, we're getting ready to sign off. Thank everyone for listening um, to uh, me here. I forgot who I am. I'm Bridgette McCoy. <laughs> I got so excited thinking about all the trails and all the good stuff we're going to be doing. Uh, but this is Bridgette McCoy here with Women Veterans Social Justice Network on Heroes Media Group. You can find us on um, Instagram at WVSJ Network, on Twitter at WVSJ Network, and on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash the number four WVSJ. Looking forward to um, you all listening next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great week. God showed me here is where I'd be always sometime.